Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. Today, my guest is um, David, and I knew I was going to do this, people. I knew it. I knew it. I am having such a brain. My brain is so tired. We just went through this. His last name rhymes with Columbia. So it's Columbia. But every time I want to say it, my brain, there's like a barrier that gets right in front of the words. And like, nope, you're not going to say this right. You're not going to say it. And pronouns are he, him. (laughs) Welcome, David. (laughs) Thank you so much. And you are not alone that uh, having trouble with my name. It is a very good company. (laughs) All right. So we start every show by um, asking my guests, why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing a scene? Well, uh, specifically with regard to, I think, why you are having me on the show, um, the, uh, uh, there is a worldview that comes along with uh, the digital revolution that I think is extremely dangerous. And I've been saying it's extremely dangerous for over 20 years at this point, 25 years. And um, sadly, everything that I have uh, predicted and warned about has come to pass. And um, uh, it seems to me that uh, I don't know what else to do except to keep causing a scene about it and doing my best to try to alert people to the, um, the ways in which too much digital technology just drives us toward the political right and toward division and um, against democracy and equality and other things that I value and I think you also value. So you wrapped all that up in one sentence and that's good. One one pass. That's great. So I want to talk to you because I've been, I think I want to go back right quick. Um, yes. So I've, this is not the, I asked David more than once to come on the show. <laughs> I want to make sure. I, and the one that got me that both of us were like, okay, it's, it's, it's time. And so I'll read this tweet of David is from May 27th. And it says quotes with, um, what would happen if social hashtag social media, uh, what would happen? Hashtag Lord have mercy. Let's do this again. What would happen to hashtag social media if it if it were made illegal is the wrong question. The right question is, why was social media considered legal in the first place? The answer involves one of the most brutal acts of regulatory uh, arbitrage in history, Section 230. And so this is so apropos more than what we thought when we scheduled this, because um, you and I have our reasons for understanding why Section 230 is an issue. Um, but not right now, the, 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 I was about to call them the West, Lord have mercy, <laughs> the right, particularly um, this president um, is, 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 has an assault on um, section two, 230, but for totally different reasons than you and I have. Yeah. So, <laughs> and that's, and you know what, and that's interesting because, and I'm glad I, we can talk about this because it, highlights how so many there there we're allowed and tech has facilitated this we've allowed so many different opinions to be considered expert um and so it's hard to decide or discern because everybody's opinion particularly if you have a blue check Mm -hmm. is an expert opinion Mm -hmm. and that is not true because that goes with the whole all speech is is the same or all um, you know, perspectives are are equal, and 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 that only seems to work when it comes to um, bullshit. Because every other place in our lives, I don't say because I know what a throat is, I'm a ear, nose, and throat doctor. You know, it's like I, it, it absolutely makes no sense. Right. Uh, oh, you said a lot there. Um, yeah, <laughs> the uh, I knew we would have to talk about the Trump the executive order and. Um, you know that is a wild document. I mean, he is a, he is he has written many wild documents or dictated them or whatever. But um, that one, like, you really can't even make sense of it, right? He's just he's just mad that Twitter fact checked him, 
And so he's just like throwing words on the page. Like none of what he says even makes sense. Like, it doesn't even hook uh, up. Okay, but but see, this is okay. So this is, is he? Okay, so it's did he actually write this, or are there <laughs> people who are complicit in writing these words down for him? You know what I'm saying? Uh, is he dictating this, and somebody's saying, "Yeah, huh? Yeah, uh huh? Yeah, uh huh?" Or I mean, it's like. <laughs> It's it's like is if he was in a room by himself, that would be like okay, yeah. But if there are people who are involved in this, also, it's like what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't. So for folks, okay, just get, <laughs> uh, before we get into that, can you can you can you, since you've read the document, can you give us a breakdown? First of all, tell folks who don't know what Section Two Thirty is, yeah. and then break down. I want to have this conversation because. Folks in the need in tech need to understand that we've never been neutral nor apolitical, right? Um, from the very inception. So let's talk about. So I'm going to let you be the expert here and guide us through two two thirty. I, I wish I was more of an expert, but I will. I will do my best. Right? Okay, so um, you're better than most section people. Two. So <laughs> <laughs> you're better. Well, than, you're right you're because. Better than well, the, you better than Trump. <laughs> Shit. Um, it is. It is the case that this particular law, like, is is one of the places where the disinformation is so thick that it is really hard to 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 get a handle on what's going on. And you can even hear actual experts debate it and appear to make it mean completely opposite things. And 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 um, when you just to go to what you were asking a second ago, like, I don't think Trump knows Section 230 from a hole in the wall, right? So there is somebody in his team who saw this as a good point, like a good place to insert that. And maybe we can talk more about what's going on in that letter. But to go back to Section 230, Section 230 is Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996. And um, as the name of that act suggests it was a pretty like the, the act is basically null and void at this point right the point of it was to try to clean up pornography and other kinds of apparently indecent expression on the internet and you know nobody was really all that into that um and, and of course that actually does run up against a lot of genuine free speech concerns um uh the point of this section 230 was originally, it was it was written to enable service providers like Facebook, which didn't exist at this point, but like Facebook or Twitter, to edit the material on their websites and not be subject to liability if they did so. So it was meant to grant them the power to say what can and can't be published on their website without themselves being considered the speaker or the publisher like the New York Times would be of the information. So, okay. So let's stop there. So it was, it was, so in fact, it is written to be a moderation tool. Absolutely correct. It is written to enable moderation of the internet. And I, you're saying that because of course that's not what happened. Um, (laughs) Exactly. It's the complete freaking opposite of what's happened. It, um, in fact, I'm going to read read you the sentence that is most famous. Please, it says, please. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. Which is already pretty hard to follow. But um, so let's so breaking it down. Part of what this was supposed to do was provide a certain kind of immunity to what we now call platforms. Twitter and Facebook being the most obvious ones. And to say that, and you know, this is going to make a little bit of sense, right? Well, we don't want to hold Twitter responsible for everything anybody publishes on their website, right? Like, we don't want you to be able to sue Twitter for libel if Joe insults Frank. Like, what what does Twitter know about what Joe wrote on the website? Like, that makes some intuitive sense. Um, But what it the reason I use that phrase, regulatory arbitrage, is that what it ended up doing was saying that Twitter isn't a publisher like the New York Times that can be held responsible for what it says, and it isn't a speaker who can be held responsible for what they say, and therefore it exists in this no man's land between various kinds of entities that had had been regulated in the past. 
And the, the intent was to give them the power and the responsibility to thoughtfully moderate what goes on their platform. And by the way, this is used all the time, right? When I, we can talk more about this, but we know that Facebook, you know, as my friend and colleague Sarah Roberts has written, like spends enormous amounts of money and time moderating the platform to keep truly illegal content off of it, right? So this is a huge part of what happens now. And it's partly because of Section 230 that they can do this. Um, but this thing was kind of turned turned around. And okay, turned, so I'm going to yeah. stop. Okay, yep, because I'm going to stop you right there because it just I just had a bing moment. Yeah. Okay, so what it was was this, and you just, it just hit me a aha. So you have this section law. Is it, is it considered, what is it, is it a law? Is, what is it considered? Uh, it's, it's, it's a part of uh, a bigger law. Bigger law. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's it a, is a law. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, it is a law. Okay. Okay. So, so the fact that, oh, oh, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm teasing this out because what, what I had, what just popped into my head was the section, it, section, just like with everything else, it's not, it's not section 230 that's the issue. It's the implementation or the usage of section 230. Because if you have, as you've just described, section 230, and we had a truly apolitical, neutral, unbiased society that these platforms pretend that we have, we wouldn't, we would be having a different conversation. But when you have a leader, now I don't, Jack, I don't think has actually said this. I, I, I haven't seen it, but Twitter, I mean, but Zuck constantly says when he talks about Facebook, he does not talk about it as a company. He talks about his decisions. So these are your decisions. And when you place that on top of political ideology, um, ideologies about who's valued and who's not, who gets access and who doesn't, whose speech is more important. And then you get all kinds of bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you got to ask. So if you look at all the newspapers that used to exist and that had letters pages and where the individual would usually be held responsible, but so might the publication if they published a letter that libeled or slandered, libeled somebody because it's in writing. Um, mm -hmm. who is being denied access to those letters pages systematically, right? Now, it's, it, it isn't even really like authentic minority voices because for the most part, there were and still are to some extent authentic minority newspapers that can publish whoever they want, right? It is mm -hmm. extremists, right? It's Nazis and people like that who can't get into the New York Times, and mm -hmm. therefore, the overt, the right, overt, right, absolutely, overt. they can't get their actual <laughs> Nazi propaganda. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. and, they slip it in, but not overt. <laughs> right. Um, and I, there's something that you you talk about implementation. I think there's one more part of this story I should tell, which is that um, mm -hmm. that this this law eventually went to court, right? Even in 1997, in a famous case involving America Online, and. Um, Eventually, what happened is the law was kind of spun onto its head, and what what the court said was this law was meant to provide a certain kind of immunity from lawsuit for doing some moderation. But what the court spun it into is this law provides complete immunity from lead, from lawsuits mm. for anything that you do that might be considered speech. And then you get these other people some people that I'm not very fond of, like at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, who have construed everything that happens on computers as being speech. They have this doctrine called code is speech, which I think is false. But the, the effect of this has been to create these like liability shields around Facebook and Twitter and other major social media companies that makes them almost immune from the law. And that's where, that's why I call it this brutal act of regulatory arbitrage. This thing that was supposed to enable them to be somewhat responsible has in fact enabled the opposite. One of the most reckless and severe acts of irresponsible, corporate irresponsibility that we've ever seen in this country. And that, that is partly how and why, and maybe this goes back to the tweet even, how and why these companies are so big and so powerful and can say, you know, can act as if like, how could we get along without them? 
Well, the reason they are so big and so powerful is because they use this loophole in the law that was not intended to be read this way. Like you can talk to Ron Wyden and the other people who drafted the law. This is not what they meant to have happen, but this is what the lawyers were able to do. And that goes to intention and intention and impact are two different things. Right. And this is what happens, whether they intended or not. I'm sure there were no people of color, no people of disability, yeah. no people, any people who were drafting that law. So you can even see the potential problems that w- would come up. And um, so then, oh, wow. See, this is a back. This is why I love people coming in with the history part. Um, I love it because um, I knew what the law how it's being interpreted. I did not know that it was initially for the ability to moderate and not be uh-huh. held accountable. And then I didn't know about the other, the law, I mean, the, the case with um, AOL and how that um, spun this on its head. Uh-huh. And then that's why, that's why, it, and so it's, and this is why I, 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 I was saying this the other day, I think to me, Zuck, and um, I, I, I left out Jack just because he's quiet. I mean, he, he's dangerous as fuck too, but he's not, he's not loud about it to me. He's, right. just, that, he's just that white, mediocre dude who's going to do what he's going to do. Um, I'm thinking from what I'm seeing, there's some people who are trying to hold him accountable at the highest levels of his organization and on his board. And that's why the, the um, because I saw something about um, even when that, uh, when they loot, they shoot comment came from from um, 45. He he was actually in a meeting having a conversation about these things at, at that very time. Oh, so, really? yeah, exactly. He was um, he was meeting with people about how to hold, you know, what to do. And so um, but Zuck, on the other hand, plays. Oh, he plays every side. Oh, yeah. You you play you play the um, tech is neutral. And yet there's articles that approve that prove that you and your cohorts intentionally um, created situations that would create divisiveness on your platform because it brought people to it and helped with advertising. You play even this um, this is air, it's, this will air in a few um, weeks. But right now we're just getting from the, the horrific weekend of the riots and the and the and the protests and the rallies and you want to donate 10 million dollars and yet you have people in house of your organization at the highest level voicing their opinions about how pissed they are about this organization on twitter at the same time i just tweeted a um tweeted about it because he reminds he reminds me of the I know they had it in Chicago and they have it in New York. You know, when you get on the train, the public transportation, and there's some dude who's playing shell game. And and they're always looking for tourists because everybody from the city knows if you're going to play this game, you better not take your eyes off his hands because this is the whole thing. It's it's sleight of hand. He playing with that ball that's under them damn things. And this is what I feel about him. To me, he's, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to ascribe this to evil. I'm not going to do that because that's not, that, well, that go, is, go ahead. No, I'm not because that's too simple. Because when we say things like evil, it's, it's like it's outside of his control. And he and I don't believe that. Um, I believe he's a white supremacist, definitely. Um, and he is a privileged, mediocre white dude who would without without all the all the networks he has, he would just. It, mm, oh, I just. <laughs> Every day I see something about him. It reminds me of when, for a while, we were seeing every day was a story about um, um, Uber, which has never been profitable and loses billions of dollars every year. Yeah. And it's just like, where the fuck would a black person ever actually get to do this? You know, where we can't even protest or rally in pride with peace without people, white folks coming in, tearing shit up, being, we being blamed for it. And it's, it's, it's like he, it's, it's that, I don't, I don't, can't remember the old adage, but ultimate power corrupts, mm-hmm. absolute power collapse absolutely. Yeah. That's how I feel about him. Yeah. I agree completely. And it, you know, that thing you just said, Travis Kalanick, right, who was the head of Uber. And one of the things he, he did pretty famously, along with being like just a 
terrible person is that he would constantly talk with serious contempt about city governments in particular, but state governments also, right? And he would just talk about how they're going to go in there and do whatever they want, and they couldn't care less whether the mayor or whatever told them that this was against the law, right? And um, and you're right, like a black person doing that, I mean, just imagine, let alone- They couldn't the even have the fucking conversation, let alone no, do it. Let alone be called a hero for doing it, yes. right? Which is- yes. Oh, just disruptor. They're so innovative. <laughs> They're doing illegal shit. Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, Lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. <laughs> You're doing illegal shit. And of course, in New York, especially where the taxis were unionized, right? They were, and still are, right? It's not a bad living for at least some minority people, right? And he, he's just walking in there and, and calling them names and bad-mouthing them. And I, it's not that, you know, every taxi driver, you know, whatever, you can have a bad taxi ride in New York City. But but um, it, it was, right, it was just amazing that like he was just, I mean, he, he Well, really it's, the thing, it's the oh. thing of what I see often in tech. They we tried out these, and it's the same thing with surveillance tech and VR and AR. We tried out these at the beginning. So in the in the in the infancy stage of these products, we tried out all these things that we're gonna do to solve the human, you know, solve these human problems. So um they they you know want to do commercials and bring people in about um um uh, Apple Watch saved my life or you know, the ring um, doorbell, you know, saved my life. And so those are the stories we, we, we um, you know, that, that we get out, out the gate. And I believe all this shit is marketing and PR driven because Absolutely. it gets people to be thinking, oh, okay, let me go grab that because that thing's going to save me from that thing. And, and this thing was help us for that thing. So when these other stories come out, because I'm going to tell you, if I would have known this shit about Facebook before I signed up, I wouldn't have signed up for fucking Facebook. Right. And, and now the fact that I have I'm, my family's on there and that's how all of them damn communicate. I'm there. Um, and hell, they already have my damn data anyway. And so um, it is it's, it's this it's this bait and switch we do in tech all the time. And you can't tell me that while they're trotting out the PR, the good feeling kumbaya versions of these tech that they're not simultaneously not only thinking about but actually building and using it in very nefarious ways and they're just not reporting that shit you know this is it i completely agree with you i did the the pattern of this the you know when you you know i get to teach some some students who are closer to sort of the engineering side of things and over the years i've certainly taught quite a few of them and um um you know that when, when they talk about the fact that they want to improve the world or make things better, and you look at the kinds of education they've had and the kind of social background they've had, these are people who have no clue what goes on in the world. They have their own like Fox mm. News <laughs> projection of the world and that is highly mm. racialized. And they don't even, in some cases, they don't even understand how little they know, right? They've never even been exposed. They just, they don't even know what they don't yeah. even know because they've been indoctrinated yeah. in this bullshit. Yes. And, and, and yet though, it, it's this, okay, now I'm going to digress because it's the same thing. If you, if you, and I talk about this, this movie, if you have not seen poverty Inc, this is about them damn mm. NGOs, um, oh. a peace corps people, mm-hmm. missionary folk, all of these folks who claim they want to do, I don't care if you claim you want to do it to do social good or social impact in the name of the Lord in the name of your values or whatever, it all, most of these individuals are coming from a place of ignorance about where they're going and what people are and have a very, even if they're black, particularly if they're Korean, what's coming mm-hmm. to mind are Christian missionaries. Um, it doesn't matter what your culture thing is. If you're, if the Bible or whatever that, doc, uh, that, um, that dogma that you're following, that's all that you know. That's it. 
I know some black folks right now who we ain't got nothing in common. You have no connection to the black community because of how you were reared in church or whatever that thing is. And so these are the people who take it upon themselves to go proselytize or I'm going to save the world. But if you watch Poverty Inc., and this is what I tell people, all you people walking around with your, you know, your woke folks walking around with your Tom shoes on where you buy a pair and you get a pair, but they give away a pair. That company has decimated shoe um, cobblers in those local communities. Why would somebody buy a pair of shoes from a local vendor when I'm getting I'm getting shoes for free? Mm. Why they, they in that movie they talk about Kenya had the most diverse cotton crop in the world, various strands of cotton. Because we started dumping our cotton because we needed a place we needed a, we needed a place to to sell our cotton. We started jumping our cotton in Kenya and all across Africa for cheaper. Kenya now imports cotton. They've lost all of that, all that genius, all that know-how is gone. And this is time and time again, where we go out and particularly from Western countries and try to save. So this whole... Um, this whole savior thing that that Zuck and oh, I get so sick of arguing with white dudes about Elon Musk. Um, this dude oh. is oh my god! If this not the epitome of privilege, he grew up in apartheid South Africa. You had a whole fucking country of rules on your side. But yeah, he's a genius. No, mm-mm. I like that. I, 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 that, that he can't compete with, with, with average your average black person who's been told all their life they got to give one hundred and ten percent. And also, he's not the person who's buying it, who's making this shit. Most of the stuff from SpaceX came from NASA. Most of the stuff from he's getting the stuff from other people, and he because and he's using engineers. But everybody wants to attribute all this this to their greatness. It's amazing, right? I was just, we were, I'm, we're probably thinking of this because of the launch yesterday. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, well, I'm old enough to remember the Apollo launches and stuff, right? And they, NASA didn't build that stuff either, right? They contracted out to Northrop Grumman and Boeing, and these other big corporations. Yes. And nobody was like, oh, Boeing can do it. Exactly. <laughs> it was NASA. <laughs> It's like, oh, it was NASA. Like, big whoop. Yes, exactly. And so now he's some kind of hero because he had the access to money. And from what I'm, I don't know the whole story because I refuse. At once I realized that these white dudes were fucking <laughs> mediocre, I refused to, to, to learn anything else about him. But I'm he, I heard that he, his parents, um, illegally took over an emerald wow. mind. Um, I know his parents are, are professors, or I think they're professors. So he comes from a very well off financially network wise you had a system of apartheid at your back you have nothing what what if you had not succeeded i'd say your ass was what the fuck with all that help i expect you to be where you are it's amazing you know um back to zuck a little bit like because you're right we thought we started talking about them because like zuck on the surface doesn't look quite as extreme as somebody, like somebody like musk or colonic or something and you know, that is part of what is so troubling about him. He's, he's, people will talk to me about him and say, like, well, he's kind of the liberal alternative to these bad people. Exactly. And like, you mean when he has secret lunches with Trump and won't tell us what he talked about? And I mean, and to go back to the, to the executive order, right, I think a big part of this whole theme that the right has, that these social media companies are biased against them, when to maybe to you and me, they are incredibly biased in favor of is to keep up this political pressure to force them to keep being biased in favor of conservatives, right? And any hint that they are doing anything that tries to restore a certain amount of balance gets hit with this massive propaganda wave like the executive order that just is meant to stall them, right? To, to well, I'm going to challenge you because it's never been balanced. So what, what I'm seeing, no, what I'm seeing is, is and that's why I want to tease this out because I want to be careful. What I'm seeing is, and this happens, is that's what's happening in these tech companies. Conservative views and everything has been rooted in white supremacy. So all these companies have always had conservative views. Oh, no, I agree. The thing that's changing is 
the other views are now being voiced. So it's not that they have lack of, we're just increasing. They're still around, but they, we, they're just not being, we're just not allowing them to suck up all the oxygen anymore. And that's the problem. So it's not, I don't see any less of them in tech. It's a whole bunch of um, racist ass, conservative, um, um, just people who want to deny people their humanity. As a black person, they've always been around. What's new is I've never had the privilege of having a platform like Twitter, like Zoom, like all of these that wouldn't have cost me, would have cost me exorbitant amount that I could not access and could not have a voice. Yeah, that... That's the difference. We're now, they, the narrative is being challenged. It's, the narrative has always been there and they've been going gangbusters on it. What they're pissed about is they, every time they open their fucking mouths right now, they get shut down. It is not like before where they could just say that and then everybody just like... You know, go back in the you know little room like that was fucked up, but I didn't say anything. Now people are like, oh hell no, no uh uh stop the uh uh-uh. you know. So that's what I'm seeing, and that's what I get. That's the main thing that people will attack me. I look at them and I'm like, I get it. Why you like that that dude from Google? I get it. Why you're upset? I get it. I don't give a shit, but I get it because you're just used to being able to say whatever the fuck you want to, and now it's being challenged. So I wanted to make that 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 point because any other point makes it again that narrative of hero or victim and never the villain. They've always been there. They've always had the microphone. That's why the hell they were able to build Fox News yeah. because they always had the resources. Yeah. I, villain is a really good word. <laughs> My friend Chris Gilliard and I talk about this a lot. But they even Zuckerberg, right? They really look a lot like comic book supervillains, right? They they. And they're, you know, those supervillains too talk about like they're going to fix the world and and they're going to take over and remake it in their image. And like, you don't want them anywhere near you. And the, you know, um, the thing you just said, like, this is a, this is, it's a really important area to think about. Like, and I don't want to pretend that I have the answer, right? Because there is, there are these like countervailing forces. There are people like yourself and Chris and a lot of, you know, my friends and colleagues who are able to use these platforms to make positive political change, right? I think there's no doubt that one of the reasons we're having these Black Lives Matter protests is because video has become so much easier to create and easier to distribute and for people to talk about it. And I do think that's a big, you know, if you go back to like the Rodney King thing, like there was a little bit of video, right? And it was on news stations. And now compare what happened. And like, how do we hold on to that while while somehow cutting down the power that these, you know, that Zuck and Kalanick and the many proto-Nazis inside these companies and the people who really like white supremacy and, and you know, and, and are themselves white supremacists, like, how do, what do we do to... It's numbers. It's numbers. They've just had the numbers. And I mean, they have the power and the privilege. They have that. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, you know, an outcome of white supremacy. So they have things that we don't have, but we're coming in numbers. We're, every time, every time a Nazi, a white supremacist, a mega person opens their mouths, if there's somebody on the right or the left of them saying, nope, we're shutting that right down, right there. Mm-mm, you don't get to say that in here. You can go say that wherever you want to outside of this space. Um, that is, and, 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 and this, and that's what I'm seeing is happening during a pandemic with the, with um, why the riots are happening now. Because people are already stressed. We don't know what the hell's going on. The, the, the world is shut down. And even in that, white supremacy does not stop killing black people. So it was, it was people, white people could not turn away. Where were you going to go? You're in your house. You can't, you, there's no, you could not do any, you, there's no way you could, you can't distract yourself because I mean, there are people who are, you know, cause the states and stuff are opening back up, but people are social distancing. People have masks on. A lot of people are still at home. A lot of people are still working from home. And yeah, and so this was a perfect opportunity for Pete to be for this to be in people's face, and they cannot run from it. Now they can try; they can really try. And you're seeing, and this is what I'm feeling that this moment reminds me of uh, right before apartheid. Uh, that that took a shift 
when all, you know, you had all the boycotts and everything, but when all those companies started falling, like all shit, and this goes back to the one of the hashtag cause the scene guided principles, a lack of inclusion is a risk management issue. And that's what I've been telling people. This would not change until businesses understand that this is a risk and a crisis management issue. And now they're like, oh shit, okay. Uh, we better say something. And and so now that's what I'm loving that we're collecting these things because now because you've said something publicly, we can hold you accountable. And so it's funny that you keep bringing up Chris because Chris went to, came to me this morning. He was like, hey, can I run something by you? I want to um, I want to um, work on I'm working on this thing and I need a name for it. Trying to think of a term or make up one for companies that directly profit from, from and amplify white supremacy, but are acting as if they support black liberation. Um, tell me if this sounds stupid. He's like black power washing. He says, cause, um, cause a few magazines asked me to write something up and I'm rolling some ideas around. So I said, good for you. I said, let me think about this and get back to you. And then I came back, I said, I got it, but it's pretty hardcore. Are you sure you want it? And he was like, how so? And I said, corporate blackface and he's like god damn it <laughs> he's like that's genius and i'm like that's it it's corporate blackface and that's what the hell term i'm going to start using as as i was as i think about the economic anti um, anti-racist ec- economist that's such a big thing and that's a conversation that so many people aren't ready to have because that's learning a new language um uh, changing perspectives changing the lens through which you look through stuff and so that's a lifelong project of mine. But if I, based on this list that we've created, and I can specifically speak about corporate blackface, that gets people attention. It gets people's attention. It does, and that, you know, I was privileged to be on a similar set of texts with Chris this morning, and even when he, <laughs> when he texted me that you had given him the name corporate blackface, and, um, and uh, although I I like black power washing too, is because he liked the. Uh, you like the idea of washing uh, of a yeah 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 I get it and so that's what I was so it wasn't so I was like oh that was good and then I just walked away and I was like Ooh. <laughs> they may both have uses <laughs> yeah almost definitely there's there's a one there is no one size fits all for this shit we all have to come at it from different ways and that's what gets on my goddamn nerves people are like so Kim how do I do it D- why the fuck are you asking me. <laughs> If you're not paying me, leave me alone. Figure it out. Read a book. There's all what find out, figure out what skills and resources you have to give in the fight for it. Equity for everybody. That's what anti-racism mm. is. And if you it is not a one size fits all, everybody has to come. Like I'm not gonna be, I'm not um, I'm not doing protests, I'm not marching. That's not something I would be able to do. It's something I've never been able to do. I am that person who actively Go when you hear when there was a fight going, I was in the opposite direction. I've never been been in that that kind of person. I'm not curious about that stuff. And I know with the work that I do, it's already enough of me processing my own oppression. Being in that environment um, would not do me well psychologically. So I leave that to people who can do that work. And I and I do the work that I do because I believe that changing the corporate, how corporations function is how we change this economy. Because that's who politics don't have the the power here; it's the corporations. Mm. Well, it, it, one of the things we were talking about earlier, Section two hundred and thirty and stuff. I think part of the reason this is coming up now is because there is awareness, there is a growing movement to amend that law in some way or other, right? Yep. And yep. I think, <laughs> and especially if a Democrat becomes president, I think it is very. And Zuck wants to make sure he's on the part. The how the does he get to dictate what that law is going to look like? But he's trying to, he's working his hardest. He, he absolutely is. And you know, at some level, that's ordinary business, right? Anytime you regulate exactly. a business, the yep. business is going to yep. be there. And we got to have people on, you know, who are going to stand up to them. And, you know, and that is a fight that we have to have with all businesses all the time. And it's, it's a good fight to have. I mean, it's, you know, I wish that we could just keep them out, but, but, um, you know, at some level, okay, they have they have to have a seat at the table, and um, you know, we we do see it working sometimes at the FDA and other places where you do have regulators who really do have some teeth and can push back when people try to get around the law. And I do think that um, that we are going to see regulation of Facebook and Twitter, and 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 I think 
I don't know what shape it's going to take, right? I think part of the problem with this whole discussion is that the their propagandists immediately say, well, you're going to chill speech and you're going to shut these whole things down. And I'm like, no, we're going to have sensible, thoughtful regulation with people who understand what is going on and we don't know what it's going to look like. I'm now ready to articulate and to publicly share my need to shift from causing the scene. Currently, this work, this push for equity, for minimizing harm, and for prioritizing the most vulnerable is collectively viewed by many as noise, bullying, troublemaking, as contrarian for controversy's sake, rather than what it is, a necessary evolution for the overall health and well-being of those who work for us, partner with us, buy from us, invest in us, and society as a whole. My focus from this day forward is to forge a path to welcoming and psychological safety in systems, institutions, and policies at scale because I will no longer put new wine into old wineskins. My team and I will be spending the next few months making the necessary changes to ensure that my new commitment to doing the proactive work of leading a movement framed by the guiding principles and seen through an anti-racist lens strategically happens with a relaunch on Juneteenth. To be kept informed of our progress, please follow me on Twitter at K-I-M-C-R-A-Y-T-O-N-1, Kim Creighton 1, and on our new Kim Creighton's Community Cafe Discord server. When I started Hashtag Cause a Scene in 2019, it was out of my frustration that no one was listening. Now that you're listening, it's time to get to work. Thank you for the years of support, and I'll meet you on the other side. Have a wonderful day. Right? We're going to have to talk about how do we how do we actually get some kind of I don't even know what to call it. Exactly. It's so funny that you bring this up because I know I had a, uh, a conversation with a person. Um, I had a, a, a um, uh, interview last year, right at the end of last year, because you remember Facebook put that panel together, that board oh, or whatever. Yeah. And they're already having fucking problems with the board. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, so it's like they are not. That was the, the, and that was my question with uh, who are these people? <laughs> and, and and I saw last week that there's already a problem and it's not even six months. Yeah, because they actually just announced the first like true makeup of the board, right? And the, and and started to talk about taking complaints. And you know, I my feeling about that is I don't care what they right, they need to be regulated. If they choose to have a board that tries to comply with the regulators, like fine. But without the regulation, the board is meaningless. If anything, it's... Oh, yeah, because it's Zuck. It's, right? all, it's, just, it's, it's just another mouthpiece for him. It's going to make almost make him look better. And that's like, oh, almost definitely because people thought this was a great idea. And that's the thing. He really gets to play the white narrative of a hero so well. Yes. He's building community. So you say, you say it's the, it's the, the you, you, you were saying, you and Chris say it's the, um, it's the villain. He plays the hero. Better than Absolutely. any villain I know. I'm just like, wow, <laughs> dude. You just, I mean, in the same, and I, like I said, I just posted this. You want to give, what is $10 million to you when every day you continue to let 45 post whatever he wants, a violent tweet you, I mean, um, post you won't take down. You believe that you don't have a right. You have a right to say, and this is what gets me. This is why I think he's just, mm, you don't, it, 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 it's arbitrary. Well, not arbitrary to him, but what he thinks he has a right to do and the things he doesn't think he has the right to do are just really interesting. The things he has a right to, doesn't have a right to do are the things that he has control over and the things that he doesn't <laughs> have a right to do is the things he just makes shit up and just causes harm. It's like, mm -hmm. dude, he plays that always the hero so well and it becomes us who question him who get painted as the villain not him he's very good at that oh my god he's great he is this is a white man i mean he has more power than um trump i know trump don't want to hear that but that's what it is he has way more power than trump he is a, i mean i think we know that he's been called to 
subpoenaed to testify, essentially, right? It's several yep. by several major world legislatures, yep. and just not shown up. And when they show when he shows up, can we get people who know how to question somebody? Can we get somebody who's not um, you still got that um, what's it called that jitterbug phone? <laughs> and this is not to disparage the elderly, but damn, can we get or so, you know, you can tell how their staff have vetted them on the first question, but they have no follow up questions because they're like, OK, this is over my head. Thank you for thank you for showing up. It's like, no. <laughs> oh, it, it's the, the place he really didn't show up was the British Parliament, the yes. subcommittee, and those people did know what to ask him, right? They were, and, really that, and that's pointed. the thing. He knows exactly where, and that's the this. He is clever like a fox. He yeah. knows exactly where, because he he. Well, first of all, he knows that Europe and the UK has different rules than we have, yeah. so he d- does not want to put his foot in his mouth and say something that's gonna he's gonna be liable for. Because the same thing with Twitter and um um and, and if you can have rules set up for Germany that is makes all this shit illegal because they have laws, then you have the ability just not the wherewithal or the interest in doing it here. Cause it's not like it's, you are not doing it. It's not like we asking you to build something new. It's, it's already done. The shit that we have to see in the United States just doesn't get seen in Germany. Right. And weirdly, most people do not consider Germany a country without free speech. Despite the fact that you can't put a swastika flag on Twitter in Germany. Yeah. They're yeah, able to do yeah. both of these things. Yeah, simultaneously. <laughs> right? Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Think about that. They can walk and chew gum at the same time. It's amazing. And I'm sure they can walk, chew gum, and talk too. Woo. Three things. <laughs> and, and and just the hero worship of this, these people, individuals are just, blo- are just, mm, 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 are just, I don't like you said, I just don't even have the words for it because it is mind blowing how much privilege is and privilege is not even a, 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 a big enough word for what I'm feeling right now. You know, it's like right? that doesn't even hold what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know, if you um, you've probably seen the movie, The Social Network, right, that uh, mm-hmm. Aaron Sorkin yeah. made about him, which is obviously partly fictionalized, but the, the kind of, you know, the. The, the affect, the energy that he had about developing the hot or not application that this thing is all, all built on, on like mm-hmm. judging whether women are attractive enough to him and that kind of like, this kind of like dominating over other people. Like I get to judge who is worthwhile and who isn't, mm-hmm. and who is worthwhile to be used by me, right? Not even, mm-hmm. Yes, right? <laughs> not just used, but monetized, yeah. profited from. <laughs> It's a it's it's a it's, kind it's, of a, it's a different kind of psyche. It is, and again, I want to be I want to be careful because uh, um, I want to make sure that we're not saying that there's some kind of psychosis or something else because it's not because when we do that, then people get a pass. These are conscious strategic decisions and words and shit he's saying, and he is just and I don't and and what just popped in my head is Elizabeth Holmes. Mm. <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> yet some, yet another person who did you did you see how her her thick her board is with old white powerful men? Incredible. It, I'm like, where, where, what, what, what club does she go to to get all these dudes? And <laughs> now Henry Kissinger is wanted by the damn um the Hague. Right. I mean, he, he he's wanted from damn um, crimes against humanity. And in the uh, in the book, Bad Blood, right? There's uh, I think it's George George Soltz is also on the. Oh the yeah, board, he was the one who got everybody, right? Uh-huh. And, 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 and it, turned on his grandchild, right? That's what I was going to talk about. His grandchild, who actually knows the science, and like comes to, and so has a fair amount of privilege himself, right? And like has the ear of George Soltz, and like goes to him. It's like, hey, this stuff doesn't actually work, and he almost gets disowned from the family because it's like, no, no, we, we're going to exercise this power. Like <sighs> some level is like, we don't even, we like that it doesn't work. Right. Like it's like, it's it, it too remi- bad. Oh my God. And this reminds me. So we just keep going off on 10 because you keep saying things that remind me of, because uh, it helps people. I'm hoping it helps people connect the dots. That's why I do this because it helps me. So uh, um, um, what's the uh, Madoff? This reminds me of Madoff. 
Mm. Just the whole, all the, and, and, and how I'm going to be honest that people like me just didn't give a shit. Oh, you get, this man has been running this con for years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you got all your, okay. All right. Ben. All right. Ben. Mm, now you know how some of us, I, I don't know. I know it comes off as heartless to some people and you just have to, and you'll never, you never get to live in my shoes or our shoes because we just don't care. We, I mean, it's like, oh, white people got harmed. Okay. Uh, just like all the people this past weekend talking about white people getting arrested. Well, you should have planned. You went to a Black Lives Matter rally. You should have made plans for that. It, it, you know, it, I've been watching some videos of some of the protests and that, you know, the way white people have been conducting, some white people have been conducting themselves at these rallies. It's so is, typical of whiteness. It is. It's like they're begging to be arrested. Or they know and, they won't. So they and this is an opportunity to sow chaos because wh- white supremacy is just chaos. That's all it is. And so you're seeing a lot of these white young men who who have been told that they're special all their lives, and now they're in a world where they're they're not special. But also the economy and stuff is against them, so they're just angry with nothing, nowhere else to put it, and they don't care because they don't have to examine anything and they don't have to deal with the consequences of their actions. This is, this is why I fundamentally said, and people can, uh, and this is not me endorsing anybody. Every time I say this, I have to say I'm not endorsing Biden because he's a racist ass too. Also, yeah. this is why I saw Bernie Sanders as equally problematic as Trump because you have a legion of white, angry men who you have a response? Oh, it's a it remind. Oh my lord! Woo, talking about full circle. So now I'm the Bernie uh, Bernie Sanders okay. campaign reminds me of a Section Two Thirty campaign. You you riled these damn people up and took no responsibility for their actions on or offline. I have a problem with that because they were causing so much harm. And all you could say was. It, when you finally spoke up that that's not how we um that's not how we um very very low voice you know that's not how we yes it is yes it is I, you know this is something you and I agreed about several months ago I think maybe when we got into a little more contact because I you know I it, the resemblance is one of the things I noticed is the kind of lack of contact with real with the facts in the world right when you try to you try to argue with them about things and but i I, maybe we were talking about when they they sort of claim that like sanders had passed the cares act or something and you because he gave a speech and like he gave a good speech and so did a whole bunch of other representatives right there were actual sponsors of the bill like, and, and if you try to talk with them about that, you know. or everything that happens is because we don't have Medicare for all. That's the answer to everything. It's uh, like, wait a minute. Our health care system is racist as fuck. Uh, How does uh, health care for all uh, Medicare for all solve that, particularly when your candidate does not want to talk about race? Everything is about and, class. And if you said to them, gee, the UK has one of the best socialized medicine programs in the world. And they are having even worse COVID-19 problems than we are. So maybe Thank Medicare you. for all Thank is you. not in and of Thank itself you. the solution. And they just jump down your throat as if you, you Oh, know. my whole thing was show me an implementation plan. Oh, that's uh-huh. what they were saying. Don't, no, uh, no, no, no. Don't show me the shit from the website. I can see that. I want to see an implementation plan. And they keep showing, no, 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 no. What don't you understand about my words? And I'm saying, I don't, this is not what I want. I want to see on day one through day 30, this is what I'm going to do. And I know we're going to have an obstacle for Ms. McConnell. So this is the plan I have to get around yeah. that. If you don't have that, I don't want to hear all this shit. Because what you're doing, because again, all these people want revolutions. Who gets harmed in revolutions? The most vulnerable. So you need a strategy to ensure that we minimize the harm to the most vulnerable because they're going to be impacted anyway. And that goes back to your uh, beginning statement about how much uh, 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 your statements um, of a little while ago about the people who are saying these things have no clue, no perspective about anything, but they want to save the world. Oh. Save the world from you. That's what we need to <laughs> save the world from, from you. You know, my, uh, yeah, I, my colleague, Tressie Cottom has been tweeting a lot about the, the, the protests and she she was tweeting something about being an ally and she said something like, go do the reading. <laughs> I was just like, if only we could get people 
Didn't she write the book? Um, something it. Um. Uh, yeah, Lower Ed is her first book. I yeah. need, I need one of y'all people who know her to please get her on my show. <laughs> ah, she's in high demand, but I will definitely. Jeez, I, will put in a word I have for been you. trying and trying and trying because <laughs> I want her to come on and talk about these boot camps and these ISAs. Hmm. Mm. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> she oh, wrote you... the book on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you and she would have a good conversation. Yes, please. <laughs> please, please, you can do that for me. I would greatly appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you like to say in the final moments on the show? Uh, um, that went by fast, didn't it? <laughs> it did go by fast. It was, and I love having the wide-ranging, connecting-the-dots conversation. Uh Look, I, um, you know, I think we've both given a lot of things to be very upset about, but some interesting places where there's some hope. And, um, you know, given that I think both of us often tweet stuff that is pretty critical and negative, I think it, um, it I, people, when they meet me, often say that they're kind of surprised because I seem to have hope about it. Oh, you have to be hopeful and optimistic or we would be depressed. <laughs> and I am depressed. Oh, uh, thankfully but, I'm not. I, I, uh, oh, I have some very good coping skills. Thankfully, and this is why, I, but that's another reason why I keep the boundaries that I do because I know that this work would just be, mm, yeah. mm. I, I may need to hit you up for some of those coping skills. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've had to. I, yes. That's why everything for me is a strategy. It has to fit within the bounds of yeah, or I can't. There's a lot of stuff I don't tweet about that I want to talk about, mm. but I'm just like, nope, it's not a part of the strategy. It's going to start. Nope, not going that, not doing that. <laughs> mm. And I, I guess um, maybe something we've been talking about, like right around the edges here, and that I try to talk about more, like, well, you know, what what is our vision of a better society? Like mm-hmm. one that is actually informed by having done the reading and <laughs> talking to people. A, a simple <laughs> thing like being informed by reading? What? No. <laughs> but then again, I can't, I cannot fault people because there's so much different disinformation out there. You don't even know oh, what yeah. reading to believe anymore. You don't. And yet the number of people who live in America and haven't read Frederick Douglass haven't read uh, James Baldwin. Okay, come on uh, now. You you asking too much of these white folks. You asking to read black folks? What? <laughs> black people actually write books? What? What? Oh, what? that's another thing I've been talking about during this um this writing stuff. Please do not recommend anybody read anybody from any right white resources. There are enough black resources for you to learn about why Black Lives Matter. You're not kidding. And there's, I mean, and. To their credit, people have been recommending some wonderful books there. And you've had quite a few of these authors on your show. There are some absolutely amazing resources out there now. Really, not that there haven't been since Frederick Douglass and before, but... Yes. uh, You know, you can do the reading now. You really can. (laughs) And as you said, not everybody's going to agree, right? That's part of why it's so important to do a lot of reading. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And don't and, and and we'll end with this. Don't, as I tweeted today, don't push that tweet button about race, anti-racism, uh, white supremacy, prejudice, anti-blackness. If you're not riddling to get criticized for it for having a <laughs> fucked up opinion, so <laughs> just be ready for it. <laughs> and read the read the criticisms if you're going to do that. Oh no, it's easier for them to block us. That's it just is. how that. Yeah, it's just. We're just, we're just, you know, uninformed, underinformed, low information, mm. um, ignorant, all of these things. It's much easier to do all of that than to actually Google. You know what I'm saying? And we're in tech. It's just so much easier than spending two more minutes Googling something. It is amazing that the in the information revolution, the, the ability of people to find accurate and useful information seems to have dwindled. Oh. Amazing. Uh, they they would. I mean, I remember when all the knowledge I knew was in the encyclopedias on the shelf at my house. Mm-hmm. And 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 there are people, many people, who wanted to go back there. If it's not in those books, it does not exist. Yeah, we could we could do better than that, <laughs> <laughs> but we could do better than we're doing. <laughs> Almost definitely. Thank you so much, David, for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Great. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time because I know you have a busy schedule and that's what took us so long to get this schedule. But thank you. Thank Um, you. And you have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Cause the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Cause the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Cause the Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtagcallthescene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.